Today on the No City on the Sideline Dad podcast, episode 116. It's all about developing positive self-talk and overcoming negative self-talk like, I can't do this. I'm no good. There's no way I can do this. How about different? Like, I can do this. There's no problem. If I can't, if I fail, I fail. But at least I tried. I made an effort. Also, building self-confidence. Showing the kids it's okay to fall down, but get back up and try again. With my guest, Brianne Smedley, female athlete coach, confidence coach, next on the podcast. Let's do this. Welcome to the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad podcast, a podcast about a journey of discovery and conversations about not sitting on the sideline of life. Let's get involved. Here's host Joe Foley. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, my name is Joe Foley. Really, really want to thank you for being here. And this is the first time. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. Really appreciate this. This podcast is about a journey of discovery, self-improvement, mental health, getting over things, being a dad, being a parent, just having a good conversation about somebody overcoming a really traumatic life experience. Well, today's, I have a little bit different, but some similar story about building self-confidence and negative self-talk. But first, if you have a second, check out the YouTube channel, the No Sitting on the Silent Dad YouTube channel. I just kind of rebranded it, kind of fixed it up a little bit. Let me know your thoughts. And there's some recordings of live videos from the live episodes where some episodes never really made it to the audio version of the podcast. Also, tell a friend about the podcast. Subscribe, share, follow. Depends on the app you're in, but just spread the word about the podcast. Today, the podcast, my guest, Brianne Spedley, certified female athlete, confidence coach who works with empowers and enables female athletes to cultivate true confidence in their potential, level up their performance all across sports in their lives. Welcome to the podcast, Brianne. Hi, thanks, Joe. Thank you much for being here. I really do appreciate it. And, and um, one question, I know you're, I wrote this down to make sure I say this correctly. You're a positive mindset coach. And I, I'm really I know we're going to talk about a little bit athletes and female athletes of confidence stuff, but what is a positive mindset coach? Positive performance mindset coach. Positive performance is actually the kind of the governing body that certified me. But um, basically, I am trained in how to help athletes unlock their potential by using um, strategies that cultivate confidence and help them with pressure, help them with performance. They basically utilize strategies to be able to perform in situations where they potentially feel anxious or afraid, which is pretty much all competitions <laughs> because we're not really taught how to, how to do that. You know, we're taught just go out, go out and play. And then we get in pressure situations and we start feeling like we're not good enough. And we feel like we're comparing ourselves to the other, our teammates and the opponents and all of these, all of these things that come up in sports and in life. And so a positive mindset coach helps athletes cultivate self-talk strategies, helps them in those, in those situations so they can feel confident. Well, it's interesting too, your, that we just mentioned about that. How did you get involved in something like this? Cause it's kind of, I'm kind of curious. Yeah. I mean, we could, we can go back pretty far. I'm at, well, high school is kind of <laughs> where it started for me. So, um, and that was about 15 years ago by now, I think that's <laughs> enough, but in high school, I was um, I was an athlete and played a lot of different sports. Volleyball was kind of my 
my passion. And um, by the time I was a senior in high school, I was playing volleyball year round. I was in the club scene. I was, you know, just, it was kind of all I did was play volleyball. So I started getting noticed by colleges, started to get recruited. I was excited and people were excited for me, but on the inside, I was really struggling with confidence and feeling like I don't know if I'm good enough to compete in college. And yeah, I was talented and and was playing well on the outside, but on the inside, I was really worried about letting people down and what it would mean if I were playing at this next level, what those expectations would mean. And what if I failed and I let my coaches down and my parents down and you know, what, what, what would that mean? I just couldn't handle it on the inside. I just, I didn't know what to do. So I thought that the best strategy for that was to quit. So I decided to quit um, after my senior season. And I was like, I turned on all the offers. And in my mind, it was a better option for me to just quit then than to and disappoint people in that moment than to go on and play, potentially fail, and then disappoint people on that big stage. And you know, looking back now, I'm like, okay, I see it very clearly that I was struggling with confidence and not feeling good enough. And however, there's more to the story. I actually (laughs) decided to go to college and what happened to be a college that had um, a division two volleyball program that was one of the best in the nations. And my freshman year, I went to every single volleyball match that they played. They made it to the national championship, like barely lost the national championship. And I was like, you know what? I feel like a big part of me is missing And I want to play again. And I just want to see if I can do it. And so I actually reached out to the coach and kind of told her my story. She offered me a tryout, which is kind of unheard of. Um, And I tried out. uh, She offered me a spot as a walk-on on on that team. And I was like, yeah, I'm I'm happy to have it. So a walk-on is basically a non-scholarship athlete. And I worked hard for those four years. And I, I feel really fortunate because in that program, not only was it a very high quality volleyball program, but my coach highly prioritized mental health and mental training. And she utilized a lot of strategies. She had sports psychologists come in. She had us, you know, really working with like our emotional regulation, emotional intelligence, using strategies to cultivate confidence in ourselves, to be able to handle the pressure and created an environment where it felt really safe to play and play hard and risk and fail and, um, and, and be okay. And so I got exposed to mental training throughout those four years. And then I got really into it, taking sports psychology classes. By the time I was a senior, I was a full ride scholarship athlete and was starting playing the best volleyball of my life. And I loved it. Like I I actually truly enjoyed playing volleyball and it was totally a a transformation. When I graduated, I was like, you know, I naturally, I, I became a teacher as well. And I naturally kind of fell into coaching. And that first team that I got, I've been a head coach for about 12 years now of high schoolers. And that first scene that I got, you know, they gave me the whistle, they gave me the clipboard and they were like, go coach. (laughs) I went out there and I was like, wow, okay. I know how to teach volleyball and I have been exposed to mental training and my own experience, but these girls are, are struggling with the same confidence issues that I had in high school. And I don't really know how to help them besides telling them like, you got this, you can do it, be confident. And so that's where my journey started to become certified as a positive performance mindset coach to give my team and my athletes these, these skills and these strategies. So an interesting question though, but looking back at it now, when high school and you quit then your senior year and then going on to college again and going actually playing college and go walk on, what was your thoughts after like, well, I should just should have went to, should have kept it up or what was your thoughts? 
Yeah, I think about that a lot, actually, <laughs> Joe. You bring that up, uh, bring up a good point that I sometimes keeps me up at night. <laughs> but, you know, I think like, well, I should have just, I should have just gone with it, right? Like that would have been gone with like the offers that I got. I shouldn't have quit. But really, you know, you know, you always look back and you're like, well, it all worked out the way it was supposed to. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, like I was able to be in a program that I was able to cultivate my own confidence. And it really was my decision to play. I felt like my senior year, and I see this a lot in athletes right now, where it's it's not really the, their decision if they're going to play in college or not. I see, you know, sometimes they're pressured. They feel a lot of pressure from their parents and their coaches, whether their coaches and parents are actually putting that pressure on or if they, it's perceived in their mind, which I feel like was my case. Like I felt like I was perceiving a lot of pressure that I was having. I felt like it wasn't really my decision. It was kind of a, you know, we don't know. It's not a question of if she's going to play in college, it's where. And I just kind of felt like, hey, I want this to be like, I don't even know if I really want this. And so- you know, in that way, I, I really, I feel like it all, it all worked out the way it was supposed to, because I really pursued it on my own. I was able to have my own mental transformation and who knows what other program I would have landed in. And if it would have, um, you know, if they would have prioritized mental training the way that the program that I was in, because it's getting more popular now, but it's still mental training for athletes, even though it's talked about a lot. And especially like right now with the Olympics going on, we see it a lot, like confidence, mental health, you know? It's, it's huge, but it's still not as common as it probably should be. Well, it's well, like right now it's probably with, um, I'm not sure what her name is, the Olympian gymnast. She was supposed to be yeah. the the top, the number one gold medalist. And and she was under, I don't remember her name at the top of my hand right the second. Do you know her name yeah, by any chance? Miles. And yeah. um, like she's throwing jump, because like, you see all the commercials and you saw all the, the she's going to win the gold. And all of a sudden she just mm-hmm. left. I thought she was injured, but it's her own mental health. And she had to be on tremendous, tremendous pressure. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I can't, um, you know, I, I can't imagine being under that much pressure. I, I feel like I experienced that on a smaller scale and the same result happened. You know, I was like, I'm done. I, I need to quit. And, but what I, what I love, what, what really has stood out for me from this, from this situation with Simone Biles, if we want to take a second to talk about that, because I think it's, it's pretty relevant mm-hmm. is, you know, what she posted on her Instagram yesterday or the day before I actually have it was amazing to me because it, it was kind of exactly what I was feeling at the time and what I know a lot of other athletes feel as well. So I, as soon as she announced that she was done and, you know, a couple of days after she said on her Instagram that the outpouring of love and support I have received has made me realize I'm much more than my accomplishments and I'm much more than gymnastics, which I never really truly believed before. And I think that's what happens is athletes, we, we kind of get that, that crossed that our accomplishments and our achievements define our self-worth. And, you know, that's, you know, what Simone was talking about. That's kind of what I was talking about too. Like, what if I go and fail? That means I am a failure when really that's not, that's not what it means, you know? And so I think at a young age, when we, when we praise kind of the, that, those outcomes and like, you know, put the pressure on to perform, we sometimes feel like the, our love, our self-worth, who we are, our identity, um, is our accomplishments. And that's really tough. But I can think of that too, in, in regular life too. And besides mm-hmm. I mean, athletes is also mimics real life too. We're, we're like, I am, I am the banker. I am the CEO, mm-hmm. but that's not really who you are. You're really a person who's going to be a father, a husband, mm-hmm. somebody, or somebody's friend. But it's yeah. everybody has that self-worth in who they are, like like their title or what they do. 
Yeah. And that it can, that can't change, um, no matter what you do, what, if you, if you get the gold or you, yeah. or you don't, you know, that your who you are, your core identity can't, can't change. I found that interesting too, because now you're coaching and stuff, the younger girls in mm-hmm. high school and stuff, and you can, you, cause you've been through it. You've been through the stages of, am I good enough? Mm-hmm. Then you went to college and you were good enough. Do you see that any athletes that they, they're going through the same stuff that you went through? Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's why I have this business too, because, you know, athletes can have all the talent in the world. They can have all the physical training in the world, but if they don't have the mental skills to be able to access that training and then it's all really for waste. And so what I see a lot of is really talented athletes. And I hear this a lot from parents too, that I work with in our, in, in my program that, uh, you know, she's very talented. She's, and she's trained so hard, but when it gets to the game, she crumbles you know, or she plays so well in practice. And then we get into competition and like, she's like a totally different person. Like she hesitates, you know, we, we don't know. And, um, it's that, that fear that, you know, when we really strip it back. And again, like you said, this totally transfers off the court because we see this in real, I say real life (laughs) off the court and off the field. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I see it every day working with athletes. Yeah. So that's why it's really important that they have strategies to cultivate that own self-confidence because, as parents, we can tell them all day that they're good enough and that we love them regardless. But if they don't believe it, then that's not going to transfer. That's not going to show up when they go to play. Well, it's interesting, too, about um, negative self-talk, negative self I'm not good enough. I'm not, you know, we have one bad day and um, you realize everybody has a bad day. Anything. Right. I, I mean, I can like picture playing golf. That's all I can think of right now is when yeah. you line up the ball, you visualize you're going to shoot that. I'm going to have a great shot. And then I. And then I dub it two feet in front of me, and um, right. that and that and, and mentally for the next seventeen holes I am toast. But if I right. hit that, if I visualize it, I take a step back and I set up perp, like set up and, and just swing. And mentally, I'm 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 gonna, I'm gonna have a great rest of the day. Just that one time that I made right. a mistake, going I stink. I know we let that one thing define us, right? Like. <laughs> can do so many great things and that one thing that happens it's like that's what athletes choose to hang on to something that's interesting to talk about too is coming back from mistakes that's something i, I thought was i found interesting because people make mistakes we all we mess up we we make the right. bad shot we didn't make the pass but it's okay there's another game and yeah what are some ideas or maybe some tips about coming back from mistakes and this is a huge a huge one too this is probably like one of the top the top things that the athletes in our program ask for and parents say, like, she just can't bounce back from a mistake. It's really important, especially, I mean, in life, there's a couple things that we talk about when we talk about failure and mistakes. The first is just allowing athletes to have that, that mindset shift that (laughs) mistakes and failures are necessary in their pursuit of their goals. They're, they're absolutely needed and mistakes and failure are just feedback really. And so we, you know, and the more that we risk and the better that we get, the more mistakes we're going to make. And it's really what we do with that mistake that, that matters, how we respond to that mistake. Um, and so that's kind of just like a mindset shift that like all athletes in, in our program really need to understand is that failure and mistakes are necessary. Failure and mistakes are good. That doesn't mean you're out of the game. That means that you're finally getting in the game and you're just getting feedback. Now, in the moment, mistakes. We in our program actually teach something called the mistake ritual. So athletes in our program all have a customized mistake ritual that they use during a competition to help regulate their nervous system, get back to the present, because we know that we play our best and we perform our best and we are our best selves when we are in the present moment. 
So if we are thinking to the past about and like replaying a mistake that happened and we're, we're or we're worried about the future, then we're not going to play our best. And in any sport, it, it kind of depends on how long you have from mistake to the next play. Like in volleyball, every single play ends in a mistake. And there's probably about 12 seconds between the next ball coming. And so you've got 12 seconds to get back to the present. In basketball, it's sometimes you don't have much time at all. You've got to just run across the court and so you've got to be back. I mean, golf, you, you got like, you're, you've got a while you're walking to your next ball, you know, <laughs> but depending on the sport, you've got to like, you have a, a finite amount of time to get back to the present. And so we teach athletes to do is take a deep breath. Even I know it's, it, it's, it's simple, right? Like breathing, <laughs> but we teach athletes to teach, uh, or we teach them how to breathe and really fill their belly and breathe properly so that they can regulate their nervous system. Because a lot of times we breathe shallowly and that doesn't get oxygen to our muscles. That's when we tense up and we make mistakes. So we teach them just a nice deep belly breath. At the top of that breath, we have athletes say what's called a reset word to themselves. Mm -hmm. And that word uh, is found through a process where they kind of reflect on their best playing moments and then use a word to describe that those moments and how they want to show up and how they want to play. So it's kind of like a trigger word that helps them kind of snap back into how they want to show up. And then on their exhale, they do a gesture that means something to them. So an appropriate <laughs> gesture, small, uh, something small, like we don't have them go like do a burpee or anything, but like snapping of the fingers or adjusting their sock or like, you know, walking to the sideline and putting their foot on the sideline. Um, it has to be something that they can travel with them, but on their exhale, they do that. And that just kind of is a tactical reminder that like, okay, I'm back. I've forgotten the last play. I'm not worried about the next play. I'm in the, I'm in the moment. They practice that over and over, and, and that's what they use. It's just interesting that uh, listening about stuff like that, about all the tips about that, the routines they have, too. One thing I, would, I find for parents, what can some tips, maybe some tips for parents who have athletes right now going, because right now, I think the next month, I think some of the football camps start, some of the um, sports camps start like that. What are some tips maybe the parent give, like help their child get through some of this um, negative mindset, negative talk, make, and try to make it a little bit better? Yeah, there's a lot coming up there. We have um, a lot of resources for parents as far as, you know, half of our business is training athletes and the other half is training parents. And <laughs> if I were to, you know, narrow it down to something very tangible that, that parents can do, um, that's shifting, I would say shifting their talk and what they focus on for athletes. We talked about this in the beginning from outcomes. We want, you know, outcomes are like scoring the goals, scoring the points, you know, and even off the court or the field, like this is like the report card with all the A's on it, you know, like the big accomplishments and all of those things. And really outcomes, believe it or not, are, are much out of an athlete's control. Mm -hmm. And so when, when parents are focusing on the outcomes and they're focusing on like, you need to be the best player, or you need to score this many goals, or you need to make this certain team. I know we have tryouts coming up. Athletes then feel a lot of pressure and a lot of anxiety because they actually don't have control over that. There's a lot of other factors. You know, if we're talking about a competition, we have like the other team, we have the refs, we have the opponents, we have the game plan, we have the coaches, we have like, what, what's going right that day. And that might not be, you know, lining up to allow athletes to score 20 points in that game. And so, you know, it just is like a lot of, a lot of pressure and athletes are like, I don't know how to control that but I feel like I need to make that happen, but I don't know how. And then they start playing worse. So shifting that to process would mean like, what are, what are in, what, what's in athletes control? 
we can boil that down to their effort, their work ethic is in their control, 100%. Their attitude and their behavior is in their control. Their preparation is in their control. Their ability to be a good teammate. All of those things are absolutely 100% in an athlete's control and something that they can focus on and take ownership of. And we know that if they do those things right, usually it lines up to good outcomes anyways. <laughs> You know, so, but we don't want to, we just want to kind of shift that to like work ethic and attitude. If we, if they are breaking down a skill, like, you know, I want to score 20 points in a game. If we're talking like volleyball, for example, then we break that down to like, okay, we got to get available for every set. Um, and that's all they're going to focus on. It's just getting available for every set. That's something they can do. And so I would say for parents, just shifting, shifting to process um, on what, what's in athletes control and recognizing that. And, and calling that out as much as they can, you know, like I saw, I saw that you were working hard, you were playing your best, you were trusting your training, you were getting better, you work, you, you bounce back quickly from that mistake that you made, like all of those things that can cultivate that confidence. Well, it's interesting. And I'm listening to you talk about all the stuff about athletes and stuff. And I, and I can visualize what, and, and, the, and off the court into um, business and stuff like that, or work mm-hmm. life besides off the court. I mean, as a professional athlete, that's their job. But an athlete from like a college or a high school, and their parents, their job. I can I can visualize all what you said that could be great for the in the office. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, and that's what I focus on too. Now that I'm not I'm not competing anymore, but you know, with running a business and teaching, it's like you know we got to focus on those daily actions. So you know that showing up daily with you know being the person I want to be. You know, all of those things totally transfer. Well, you know, confidence, self, negative self-talk, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, <laughs> you can, it's easy when you interact with people that are working on, eh, that didn't go very well. I shouldn't have said that. And, 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 or I made a mistake by um, pulling the right part and shipping out to the customer. And I won't do that again. What did I do when the mistake was their process? And you mentally go, because it gets in your head. And the next thing you know, that's me it gets in my head and, and I, and, and you don't want to continue the mistake. Well, you know, I've, I also was also looking at too. You have a Facebook group, and you have a lot of a lot of people in that Facebook group. What is kind of what is your community like? Yeah, our community is. I mean, it's awesome. I'll give you that. <laughs> I'll tell you that first of all. Um, but it's full of parents, mostly moms, but there's also there's a good amount of dads in there too, and some coaches as well, and some athletes who are all there for the common goal of cultivating confidence and developing elite performance. So. Yeah, in our Facebook group, we go live every week with weekly trainings for parents on how they can help cultivate confidence. And we just did one today that was about like fear of success. You know, you met, you brought up negative self-talk. There's a lot around self-talk. So we do just like some trainings. We do trainings every week. Parents are asking questions in the community too, like common questions that come up. Like my athlete is struggling with pre-performance anxiety. How can I help or what do I do? And, um, you know, people come in and, and chat about that. And then I provide my two cents as well. So it's just kind of a, a supportive community where, you know, we're all in it for the same same purpose and same goal. We all get to learn from each other in there. That's interesting. You said fear of success. Can you elaborate a little more about that? I was kind of curious. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Isn't it crazy? So um, that's kind of what I was talking, you know, with my experience, not wanting to play in college. So we we think that we all want to be successful, right? Like that's that's the goal. We want to like success is thing. But <laughs> when we talk about it in athletes, maybe that means like they're, they're playing on a new, a, a higher level team. Okay. So maybe that's their idea of success, or maybe their idea of success is they are 
they're more of a contributor on their team. So they're, they're the ones scoring the points. Maybe they're getting more recognition, all of that. So that all sounds great. But what comes with that is potentially more expectations. So if they're the more of the contributor, maybe there's more expectations, more pressure on them. Maybe they, um, you know, they are having this fear of like, well, what if I don't do that now? And then I, and then I fail. All right. And maybe that means I need to work harder. Right. So there's like all of these things that come along with more success that can allow athletes to actually feel fearful. And especially um, and this, I see this a lot in female athletes that happens in males as well, but like um, some jealousy too, from teammates. Like if I'm more successful now, people are going to be mad at me because I'm taking their position potentially, mm-hmm. or they're going to be jealous of me and they're not going to like me as much. And so that's where it's not necessarily the fear of success itself, but what comes along with that success that makes athletes afraid and makes them avoid it sometimes. It's interesting. It's just interesting to hear about that stuff because fear of success, mm-hmm. fear not, like you're not, oh, I'm not going to, I'm not succeeding. I'm not going to do well. But sometimes you just, I, I think sometimes if you just jump in and try, you'd be, you surprise yourself. Oh yeah. I know it's crazy. And that's what I tell athletes to do is like, you are, you're missing out on so much by not, by not going and going for it. And you know, we're not afraid. It's not like our failures that scare us most. It's like how great we could be. So, yeah. <laughs> well, one thing too is one of the kind of programs you offer, I, I the stuff you offer on your website and stuff like that. Yeah. So we, we have that group, that community for, for parents and that that's free. We also periodically do an awesome challenge for, um, for parents and that mostly, mostly moms. And it's all about how to cultivate confidence in female athletes. We do that. Our signature program is called the elite competitor. And this is an eight week program that we open a few times a year and the athletes go through. So they go through it all together. So it's like I said, it's eight weeks and each week goes over a different aspect of the program to cultivate confidence. All the topics build on each other. We start with vision setting and what athletes want and kind of allowing themselves to explore and not be realistic, like really let them go on what they want. Um, and then creating affirmations and, um, a daily mindset routine. And then we go into limiting beliefs and helping kind of examine like what's holding them back. We go into like self-talk as well. And like you said, you know, we save 50,000 things to ourselves a day. And a lot of times, (laughs) a lot of those things are negative and our self-talk creates our reality. Um, and so we do a whole lesson on self-talk and kind of turning that around we also talk about perfectionism because that is super, super important. And a lot of, a lot of athletes, um, a lot of athletes struggle with perfectionism, stress management. So we go through the whole program to help develop confidence and we, we give tools, strategies, they all build on each other. We kind of strip it down and then build it back up in a way that athletes have that true confidence. Um, and, um, part of it is delivered, um, you know, through via a course. And mm-hmm. then we also meet live. So, Christina is my sister-in-law. We run the elite competitor together. And so we meet almost weekly with the athletes throughout um, those eight weeks, going deeper into the topics, providing support and coaching. We do like a nutrition workshop, which is really fun, a vision board (laughs) workshop. So we really work closely with these athletes for for eight weeks. Sounds very amazing. Sounds like very uh, a lot of involvement and stuff like that and really helps the athletes. Yeah. Yeah. It's super fun. (laughs) Well, final thoughts, wrapping up, I guess, anything you want to leave that something we may not have covered? Oh, man, there's a lot, there's a lot to cover in this. I would say for, for parents, for parents that are listening, um, you know, we, 
invest a lot, a lot of time, a lot of training, a lot of money into the physical part of, of your athlete sport and, and your athlete's development. And, you know, in your, in your son or daughter, just in general. And because that is kind of what we see as like the, the tangible output, but I will say that the mental part of the game is just as important. And, you know, you probably have heard like, you know, sports are 80% mental or physical and 20% mental, but really like in my experience as a coach, like coaches are not trained in the mental aspect of the sport. You know, like I said, I I was given a clipboard and a whistle and I said, go coach. They were told me go coach them up, you know? (laughs) And so, you know, to, to rely on our coaches to also provide like mental training for our athletes is really, you know, it's just really rare to find an athlete that, or a a coach that does all of that. So Mm -hmm. I would tell parents, like really make sure that you are investing in the mental side of the game for your athlete, um, you know, exposing them to opportunities, to mentors, to people who can help cultivate that. Because really all that physical training will go to waste if that mental training isn't there and that mental health isn't there. Well, also where they can connect you, they want to ask questions or reach out and find out more about your programs. Yeah. So actually I've created um, a page specifically for your podcast listeners, the no sitting on the sideline dad podcast listeners. So if you go to um, christinabrianne.com slash sideline dad, and um, hopefully that'll be in the show notes where you can click on it. If you go there, we have actually created a cheat sheet for all of the podcast listeners called what to say before, during, and after a game to help build confidence in your athlete. So this is all about, you know, key principles of things that you should be saying. We've got also got some scripts for what you can say to your athlete before a game and what you should be saying during a game, which is like pretty minimal (laughs) to give you a hint there. And then also in that car ride afterwards, you know, win or lose, you know, helping your athlete, with, with how they just performed and, and what you can do to, to help cultivate confidence afterwards. So we have that free cheat sheet for you there on christinabriancom slash sideline dad. We have also all of our information about our programs. Our community is on there. My Instagram, uh, Bree Smedley is on there as well, where you can connect with me. So that'll all be in one nice little place uh, for all your listeners. <laughs> all links will be in the show notes for this episode. I got to tell you one quick funny story. My son just started soccer recently, and, and this will wrap it up, I guess. And, and it's the first time I've ever heard parents, get him, get him, get him. What are you doing? Kick the ball that way. It, this is my first experience, and I'm like, this is where it begins. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. How old is your son? Yeah, he just turned eight years old. Yep. That's where it is. You're going to see some intense things. So download that cheat sheet. Um, so you're not, so you don't be that parent, that, that parent that yelling and screaming and saying a really, really obnoxious things. Well, thanks yes. you, Brianna. Thank you much for being on the podcast this evening. I really do appreciate it in your time. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. I want to thank Brianna Smedley for being a guest on the podcast. You can find more about her over at Christina Brianne.com. Also, another interesting thing, Christina and Brianne all started a podcast called Welcome to the Elite Competitor Podcast for Moms and Coaches. You can find more about that over at christinabrianne.com slash podcast. You can find links to the show notes over at nocityonthesideline.com slash 116. Also, Brianne also shared something really cool for us. If you have a second, some she mentioned in the podcast about something special for the no City on the Sideline Dad podcast listeners, some kind of cheat sheet to help if you have a, if you have an athlete kid that yourself and kind of things you don't say on the sidelines or how to act 
when they come back off off the field and tell them talk about how you know they had a bad game or something like that. You can find that over at Christina Christina slash no sitting on the sideline dad. Also, reach out. Do you have any comments, questions, or anything? No sitting on the sideline slash contact. Hey, listen, I'd love to hear what you have to say. Negative, positive, whatever. I just want to have a conversation with you. And one thing, final thoughts, wrapping up, it's okay to make mistakes. It's like a learning experience. It's kind of like, I'm not sure exactly how this thing, I remember the movie against Rocky or something like that. It doesn't matter how we fall down. It's how we get back up and keep moving forward in learning. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast with Christina Brienne podcast. You really like it. Until next time, take care. Give your kids a hug. Tell them what you love them. God bless. See ya.